This is Psalms to God, Season 1, Episode 30, Most Likely to Shoot Their Shot. You can find the show notes for this episode at www.psalmstogod.com slash shootyourshot. So Ruth said to her, I will do everything you say. She went down to the threshing floor and did everything her mother-in-law had charged her to do. After Boaz ate, drank, and was in good spirits, he went to lie down at the end of the pile of barley, and she came secretly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. At midnight, Boaz was startled, turned over, and lying there at his feet was a woman. So he asked, Who are you? I am Ruth, your servant, she replied. Take me under your wing, for you are a family redeemer. Ruth chapter 3, verses 5 through 9, CSB. Welcome back to the Psalms to God podcast. If you pay a lot of attention to patterns, then you probably expected this episode to be a Fruit of the Spirit episode with a guest. However, my schedule being what it was this month and their schedule being what it was this month, it didn't work out so that I could release that episode today, but I do have a Fruit of the Spirit episode in progress and it will be released next Monday. So don't worry, we have not forgotten. It is in the works, it will be here. But since it's not ready for today, I decided to do a high school yearbook superlatives episode instead. I haven't done one of those in a while. And the conversations that have been happening within my friend circle and even on Instagram um, and social media, I felt like it was appropriate to choose most likely to shoot your shot. So a couple of weeks ago, I was like just scrolling through Instagram and there was a question from like a Christian Instagram channel about whether or not it was okay for a woman to ask a man out. And the first response that I had was, Ruth basically asked Boaz to marry her. And from there, somebody responded back to me and was like, no, Ruth asked Boaz to ask her to marry him. And I just, I thought basically that's the same thing. And to me, it still is basically the same thing. But um, shortly after that conversation transpired on Instagram, there was a series of messages that went through the group chat in my young adult group that spilled over into an actual conversation that then spilled over into even more messages in a group chat. And um, Ruth came up in that scenario too. And there was this whole thing about who should be pursuing who and who should be making first moves. And there was whole conversation about quote unquote shooting your shot. And I think that, I mean, There's a lot of 
things to talk about. And I don't really know where I want to start for this episode in talking because there's so much to talk about. But let's start with the fact that if you go through the Bible, almost every single like instance of interaction between a man and a woman, um, the people pursuing the their spouse are fairly confident. We don't really see any examples in the Bible of someone being like super shy and afraid to approach somebody that they're in love with and doing this whole like pining from afar kind of a thing. Um, the people who were God's people were pretty bold in their approach. I mean, let's be real. Look at David. He saw another man's wife and just went and took her. I'm not saying that's right, y'all, because clearly that is adultery and wrong. But like he had no hesitations or anything. He just went and did it. And we see this constantly. You know, Jacob wanted Rachel. So he went and he was like, I want to marry this woman. Um, And as soon as he met her, he was like, yes, this is the one I'm going to marry her. He started making moves to pursue that relationship. And so we see kind of this kind of pattern when we do get to see those types of interactions that the person is pretty straightforward. And as you can tell from the examples I've just used, it is usually a man pursuing a woman. And so for the most part, I think that I would agree that it is the man's responsibility to pursue a woman because Christ pursues the church and the man is supposed to represent Christ in the relationship. And also, I mean, if the man is supposed to be the leader and the head of the house, it's hard to imagine that someone who is too shy to even strike up a conversation is going to be able to lead you spiritually and otherwise throughout your relationship. So in that sense, I agree that a man should be pursuing a woman. However, then you have this anomaly in the story of Ruth. And you have to wonder what in the world, like not only did Ruth basically ask Boaz to marry her, the entire situation is super risque. Like Ruth is told to put on her finest clothes and make herself beautiful and then wait until Boaz is basically drunk and sneak off to wherever he is and lay down at his feet. And so, you know, that's all kind of sketchy sounding. And even Boaz, when he awakes and finds her there, is instructing her, you know, to be careful how she leaves because he doesn't want somebody to see her leaving and get the wrong idea and all of these things. And so, you know, if ever a shot was shot, I think we can say that Ruth definitely shot a shot. (laughs) But the question is, one, is that what things should look like? And, you know, two, what actually happened? Because that was, like I said, is, is real suspect sounding. Um, and, but then also the context of the story, because I think a lot of people miss the context of Ruth. So starting with this context aspect, it's a very intricate and complex story. A lot of people relegate the story of Ruth to a love story. And they, 
you always hear, you know, go find your Boaz and all of this other stuff in singles ministries. But the story of Ruth is not really about Ruth and Boaz. It's not really a love story. If you want an epic love story, read Song of Solomon. Um, Ruth is more so about the aspect of redemption and it has parallels to Christ being our redeemer. And it's also a story about how redemption worked in the Israelite law. So the reason Boaz was, or the reason Naomi put Ruth in that position with Boaz is because Boaz was their nearest kin or so Naomi seemed to think there was actually another man that was nearer kin. And why this is important is because of something called a leveret marriage. I don't know how to pronounce this word, y'all. Bear with me. I'm going to say leveret. If it's something else, y'all let me know because I don't know how to pronounce it. But basically what it was was a method of continuing on a lineage in the instance that the man died before the woman was able to produce an heir. And so like, I mean, even up until recent times, I think there has been this extreme focus on continuing your lineage, this importance of having a male heir. And, you know, to some extent, people may still feel like that today, but I think it was definitely more prevalent, say, in my grandmother's generation. And and so what would happen is that if a woman's husband died before she had a chance to have an heir, then the brother of the husband was supposed to marry her to continue that lineage. Um, a perfect example of this is in Genesis. I will link the exact chapters in the show notes. But when Judah, the son of Jacob, um, has his son marry Tamar. Tamar's husband dies before Tamar is able to have a child. So he gives her his second son to marry. The second son doesn't want to comply with this law. And so he refuses to, you know, impregnate her. And then um, God strikes him dead. And then Judah refuses to give his youngest son to Tamar. So Tamar resorts to tricking Judah into sleeping with her to continue the lineage of Judah, which is still the lineage of Boaz and will become the lineage of Christ. So this is an example of the leveret marriage in the Bible. And this is what was taking place with Ruth. So the situation is that Naomi's husband has died. Both of Naomi's sons have died. And so you have Naomi who's a widow and Ruth who's a widow. And they basically have no benefactor. They have no redeemer. There is basically no hope within this family. Naomi says herself by the time, even if she was able to have a child because she's older, she doesn't think she's able to have a child. By the time that child grew up to be old enough to be a husband to Ruth, Ruth would be too old to have a child. And so she's saying, you know, like, this is a waste don't do this. This is why she didn't want Ruth to come with her back to Israel. And so in this case, you also have to remember that these women didn't have the same rights that we have today. So it's not like they could just go take some high paying job and rent a house and pay whatever they wanted to and live however they wanted to there were rules and regulations about what women could and could not do. And so in not having a man that was standing for them, whether it was a father, a brother, a husband, you know, an uncle, 
there was supposed to be some man that was vouching for them. And because they didn't have one, they were left vulnerable and unprotected. So this is why Ruth had to go out and glean the fields. And this is why Naomi sent Ruth to Boaz specifically, because Boaz was related to Naomi's husband. And that meant that Boaz had a responsibility to protect them. This is why throughout the Bible, it says, you know, protect the widows and the and the orphans, the widows and the fatherless, because they needed some sort of redeemer. And so when Ruth approaches Boaz and basically asks him to marry her, she's not just saying, oh, I want you to marry me. It's not like she just met this random guy and she thought he was cute and they had one good conversation and she's quote unquote shooting her shot at some stranger. She is basically trying to push him into doing what is already required by law. And so she's basically saying like, yo, like, are you going to take care of your responsibilities or not? Nah? That's really more so of what Ruth is saying to Boaz. And so Boaz, knowing something that Ruth and Naomi apparently did not, says, well, actually, there's somebody else who is a nearer kinsman to you. And it's his responsibility or it's his right or privilege to do this, because not only was it an issue of marrying them, um, this person would also inherit the property and wealth of Naomi's husband and sons. So there was also that aspect. So Boaz is saying, like, we're going to give this other man a chance to claim you first. And then if he doesn't do it, sure, I will marry you. Now, of course, there are a lot of people who think that because of how Ruth approached Boaz, there was some um, inappropriateness that went down beforehand. And I will link in the show notes an article that talks about why it's obvious that that's not what happened. Um, but I also want to point out that Boaz makes mention of the fact that Ruth has a noble character and he also makes mention that he's going to ask this other man to handle this situation, which is also implying that they didn't have sex. You know, they that's not what was happening, even though it seems very um, suggestive. And I think that the entire concept the entire situation that Ruth was in and Naomi suggesting this, I think it really shows how much has not really changed between then and now. Because the situation is that Ruth and Naomi are sitting there waiting for him to ask Ruth to marry him. She's been gleaning in the fields. He's been cutting her slack. He's been doing all these things that show that he's clearly noticed her and that she's found favor, but he's not making moves. And she's like, what am I supposed to do? What's going on? And Naomi being another woman is like, I don't know, seduce him, right? Like, and this kind of sounds like when we as women get together and we're talking, we're like, he does this, he does that, but he, he ain't never asking me out. Like, what am I supposed to do? And most girls would look at each other and be like, all right, we're gonna get your cutest outfit, we're going to get your hair done so that he cannot not notice you. And then you're just going to be direct, okay? Just go for it. And I feel like that's a lot of what happens now. I think that, not to say that they were desperate, 
But I think that Naomi didn't really know what to do to get the situation to move forward. And that's just what her best idea was. We have to remember that while Boaz refers to Ruth as being a noble woman, and I think the Bible talks about Boaz being of upstanding moral character, Naomi is not necessarily referred to in the same light. Naomi left, you know, she didn't have enough faith to stick it out during the famine. She left and abandoned her people. Then she and her husband went into Moab and allowed her sons to marry Moabite women, which was also forbidden. And she was not in the best of moods when she went back. She was not of high spirits. So we can't really say that she was giving great advice to Ruth. It's just that that's what she she thought that was best, probably. Um, but that might not have been exactly the most godly way of, of doing what was supposed to be done. But that brings me to another point that I fully believe. So I was watching this show and on the show, someone said you can never say the wrong thing to the right person. Now, fundamentally, I think that's a flawed statement. You can definitely say the wrong thing to the right person if you are not watching your tongue and if you're not being careful. But the context for which they were saying it and the point that they were trying to make, I fully believe fits and applies in this situation is that God makes people for a purpose. He made Adam and Eve, he made Eve for Adam. He made them so that they were perfectly complementary to each other. And in the instance that the Holy Spirit is drawing two people together, I think that whether it's kind of, you know, botched a little bit, whether one person is a little awkward or whatever, because those two people are meant to be together, I think it will work out the way it's supposed to work out. So in this instance, Boaz realizes what's going on and whether Ruth was actually trying to initiate you know, a sexual act or whether she was just, you know, putting herself in a position that he wouldn't say no. Boaz took the lead there and was like, okay, okay, I see what's happening. Um, Just hold your horses and I'm gonna take care of it. And then he went about doing what he was supposed to do. And it didn't turn out in a bad situation. And I think that is what it means. Like, if that is the right person for you, it will work out the right way. And so that being said, back to the concept of if the Holy Spirit is drawing you together, I think that's a key aspect and a key point. The church, as well as society, treats relationships as though that is in game. That is like, I mean, think Disney, happily ever after. It's like the story ends there. Like the entire point of your life was to get to this marriage and then that's it. Which I'm pretty sure most married people will tell you that's only the beginning of the story. Um, But there is a lot to be said and to be thankful for in your season of singleness. Being single allows you to become closer to God. It gives you time to do other things and to focus on yourself and to develop yourself into 
a godly person and somebody who can compliment somebody else. Um, but also, I think that in trying to make it seem like marriage is the end goal and that that is all that there is, you know, particularly for women, that all we're supposed to be doing is preparing for marriage and seeking out our spouse, then there is this feeling that that's all you should focus on and that's what you, your primary you know, ideas should be, that you should be out seeking and that you should be out looking for your Boaz, so to speak. But I think that if you look all the way back to the beginning, all the way back to Genesis, when God created Adam and Eve, you see something very important. God created Adam and had Adam name the animal. So Adam is doing what God told him to and God notices that Adam is alone. So God says, I'm going to make him a wife, essentially. So he puts Adam to sleep and creates Eve. He creates Eve and then he takes Eve and puts Eve in the Garden of Eden and introduces Eve to Adam. And then they were man and wife. Basically, Eve is doing what God has created her for. She's doing exactly what he told her to do. And Adam is doing exactly what God told him to do. If a man is doing exactly what he is supposed to be doing and a woman is doing exactly what she's supposed to do and God intends for these people to be together, he will take care of introducing them to each other and putting them in the vicinity of each other so that they can become man and wife. One of the things that I firmly believe is that if you're praying and you're talking to the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit should be leading your actions. And hopefully the Holy Spirit is also leading your future spouse's actions. So when it comes time to make moves and shoot shots, the Holy Spirit should be playing the game for you. So there should be no problems. Everything should go in, nothing but net. It should be a slam dunk, no problems. Sorry, that was a lot of, I guess, puns there. But, um... I think that in terms of women doing the shooting of the shot, I think that that also depends on how you define shooting your shot. At the beginning, I mentioned that I think men are supposed to pursue women. So I don't think that you should be like, hey, I wanna go to the movies with you, or hey, I want to date you, or whatever. I think that that should be the man's job, that he should be pursuing the woman. However, I agree with the men that were in my young adult group that women should be, it should be fine for you to make your presence known. Just like Ruth was making her presence known. That was a bold statement of making her presence known. But, you know, introducing yourself to somebody, saying hi, making it obvious that you're friendly and that you're single. These are all things that I think are necessary and fine. Like you shouldn't necessarily just be in a corner, in a box, not speaking to anybody. I'm not gonna speak to him unless he speaks to me first type of a situation. We just have to remember, like I said, to let the Holy Spirit dictate how we're moving and what we're saying. So if the spirit says, go introduce yourself, go introduce yourself, put on your best smile and, you know, 
just have a conversation. I don't know if that's what the guys meant by shooting your shot. To me, shooting your shot sounds a little bit more forward than that. But, you know, like I said, let the Holy Spirit tell you to stay or tell you to move. And whatever the Holy Spirit's telling you to do, do it and you can't go wrong. So for all of my Christian singles out there, I'm praying for y'all because I'm praying for myself. (laughs) And, you know, don't worry about it so much. Enjoy your season of singleness. Keep praying. And the right one will eventually come to you. As always, it's been a pleasure talking with you guys. Thank you for tuning in. You can find the show notes for this episode at www.psalmstogod.com slash shoot your shot. Don't forget to like and subscribe, share it with your friends, and follow me on Instagram, Cherie.Hughes. I will see you guys next week. Have a great day. Bye.